the Western North London podcast, where we sit down every week to talk about the big Arsenal news. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Welcome back to our championship edition. (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling it the double. (laughs) You know, it's it's shiny. We'll take shiny things. Fill up that trophy case with whatever we can get. You know, winning is better than losing always, so... Well, we'll we'll delve into that uh, Community Shield game here shortly. But before we get to that, let's talk about. Well, do I even do you even care about what I'm drinking anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you sent me that picture. I'm like, I recognize that beer. Yeah, the, uh, picture there. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, sticking to the same old, same old. My inner urban from Fremont. So, yeah. Um. Well, I'm drinking. Uh, a bit burger. Uh, it's a German pils that I really fell in love with when I went to visit uh, my friend who had a who married a German girl. So like uh, we were on the Rhine Valley, and that was all the beer in the summer, and it was amazing. But this one I bought at Trader Joe's, and it I like it because it is, it is the 2020 Fußball edition. So it has a German flag and a bunch of a uh, like soccer ball pattern, like the uh, the old Telestar soccer ball pattern on it so i'm a sucker for that sounds good and you said it's, it's kind of a light light beer yeah it's a pilsner yeah. and the uh 2020 uh foosball edition tastes exactly the same as the non-2020 foosball edition. <laughs> all right well <clears throat> we've got uh a question of the week from you and i'm i'm very excited about this one i think <laughs> so we've uh we've we've signed a couple new brazilians we're kind of having a brazilian contingent in the squad now and so my question is which player would you least likely or least like to face in a capoeira match dance i don't know the exact term, but would, which would, dance dance of you, death yeah <laughs> who would you least like to be uh like to face in a capoeira um Okay, let's run through the Brazilian contingent right now. We've got our, our newest signing, Gabriel. We've mm-hmm. got William. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Martinelli. Mm-hmm. We've got Louise. Mm-hmm. Who am I forgetting? Is that is that it? I believe that's it. I could I should have been more astute and pulled up the list, but I believe that's it. Pablo Marie is not Brazilian, right? He just played in Brazil. Ooh. Good question. I'm gonna pull that up real quick. He might be Brazilian. I I thought he was maybe Spanish, but then I keep hearing about how uh Edu had uh a bit of influence bringing him in. So I don't, I didn't know if that was a Brazilian connection or just the, him playing in the Brazilian league. He is not Brazilian. He is Spanish. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. So he's out. Um, and this is who I would not want to fight, right? Yes. Correct. Okay. Well, I think I, I think I'd be okay with taking on Martinelli. I think I can take on William. Mm-hmm. I I think the the height of the two center backs would make me not want to face them. Now, <laughs> do I I believe in the you know the wiliness of age? 
or the speed of youth? Which one would I, <laughs> which one would I want to face? I feel like I'm at a height. The height disadvantage is a big deal because I feel like you're, it's, it's all about how your limbs, your reach in, yeah. in capoeira. That would be my guess. I, I'm not an expert, <laughs> but <laughs> I would say I would want to, mm, I think I'd want to avoid Louise. He's still, he's still younger than me, but he's got, he's got <laughs> some steps probably on, on Gabrielle. So I think he he's got he's got the advantage um, even still over over a young player I don't know much about yet he's brand new so I don't know if I I, I don't like the mystery of that either I don't know if I would want to face him yeah but I'm gonna stick it with Louise so you're gonna you're, you're going on against Louise is it your least favorite yes or yes I would not want to face him. I'm the same with Louise, but my reasoning is that like capoeira is this dance, like where you're not really actually hitting each other. You're just kind of like doing like fighting moves and not facing each other. And I feel like Louise would fuck it up somehow. <laughs> so, so that like I'd get a straight kick to the face. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it would be an accident. I think it's all yeah, part of true. his plan. <laughs> so I think we both agree, Louise. For different reasons, but <laughs> I'll go with it. I, I would just like to see that. I'd like to see if if any of if any of our Brazilian <laughs> players <laughs> actually knew some capoeira. I'd like to see the video of that. Oh, that'd be an amazing video. <laughs> um, okay, let's jump right into the big news of the week. And like we were alluding to before, we are. Community Shield champions Woo. for 2020. <laughs> I, I mean, how do you feel about it? Do you do you care? I didn't, and then I did. Like, <laughs> it, it it is one of those things. You're kind of, I think, going into it, I was just pulled into this false sense of security, like it didn't matter. But then the game started, and I was like, wait, this is Liverpool. I want to beat Liverpool again. And there was something to that because it seemed like the players were into it. And so it kind of drew me into it. You know, it wasn't like it was people jogging, at least in the first half. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, there were guys on both sides of the ball. Like both, both teams were, were going for it and I got, got sucked in. So I, by the end of it, I was like, yeah, they're Liverpool's pissed that they're losing this thing. And, Arsenal's real excited that they're winning it, so I'm going to jump in on that too. It feels feels good to win stuff, so let's let's enjoy it while we have it. Yeah, you know, like I didn't I didn't think I was going to care that much, but then I did set my alarm to wake up for the game, which was unusual if I didn't really care about the game. Uh-huh. And then as I started like watching the lineups come in, like like you said, like it was, it was Liverpool. I didn't want to lose against Liverpool. And I started to actually care a little bit. And then I, I totally watched the trophy celebration and it was fun. Like I enjoy us lifting silverware, like I much more than losing silverware. And you could actually see the Liverpool team looked a little bit upset. Like when you, you watch them, like they stayed to watch the, the, the uh, presentation of the shield and you could sell it, tell that they weren't exactly excited about losing that game. Right, that was not a that was not a friendly, and it it didn't play like a friendly at all. Um, 
yeah, and I think definitely you could you could sense the tension when it came down to penalty kicks that both sides want to win it. You could tell on the by the looks on the Liverpool players' faces when they missed a penalty. <laughs> that was I think that that alone was worth it. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seeing sad Liverpool players is always worth it. Yeah. No matter what we yeah, do. I'll take it. And and Aubameyang, you know, coming through and and pretty much putting that game on his back. Uh, mm-hmm. taking the one one goal lead, and it was a beautiful play. I mean, the the whole play starting out from the back, playing up through Saka, who crosses the ball brilliantly to awaiting Aubameyang, and mm-hmm. you know he he took advantage of the the little bit of space he was given. You know, he made the space, but he it, it wasn't a big window, but he. He's just been so sharp. He doesn't. He doesn't take bad shots. I mean, not to say he doesn't miss, but he's he's almost always goal goal dangerous. He's always getting close. But this one was right on. I mean, he's he looked as good as ever. He hasn't lost a step in the mini off season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's not really even an off season. But uh, you know, you, you you look at that performance and you look at that goal and you realize how important Aubameyang is to us. You know, right? Well, I mean, it's not not to say he took took that ball and and did it himself. There was certainly other players involved and good play to lead up to it. But that we've had times in this team where it just those those sorts of goals don't come, and he's just been so consistent lately. And it's something Arsenal have um, sometimes sorely lacked is just consistency from their goal scorers. Um, you know. Lacazette has, you know, we're talking about two now two seasons ago, you know, being the MVP and just couldn't find those numbers this season. But Aubameyang consistency both seasons really putting up, I think, identical goal numbers when the, um, well, I'm not sure if that's uh, totals, but I think Premier League total, he was the same. So, I mean, that's insane, really. Uh, you consistently battling for the golden boot and I think that's that's what you want from your captain. I think you don't <laughs> you don't want a, a guy who's going to be all over the place. You got you you need somebody who's a consistent player, a consistent presence. And that's uh, we got to get this this contract done because it was definitely clear we need we need him going forward. Yeah, I mean, like I, I'm sure we all will go into transfers in the uh, in another section, but I, I am very much more of the opinion we need this transfer done and I'm a little bit worried about how long it's taking. But once we went one nil up in the community shield and I know that like, it doesn't really reflect the team. Yada, yada, yada. It's like, it's not a friendly, but it's not like the most competitive match ever. But did you feel safe being one nil up against Liverpool that game? No. Well, safer. I felt like leading up to it and it, Liverpool had chances. It was, it's not to say that Arsenal shut them down. Um, they had things they could have finished on and just didn't. Um, right down to the um, penalty kicks. I think they, on a, on our, their best day, they, that was no issue. They had a younger player in because it's a, a preseason game, so you want to get some of your young guys in. But he, he ends up being the one to miss the kick. But that happens. Um, on Liverpool's day, they could have easily won that. So, you know, I don't feel like, um, yeah, I, I, 
I feel like they they put everything out on the field. Yeah, and and it's it's true. And I never felt like it was going to be a one nil game. And until I'm proven wrong, and until the uh, Saliba Gabriel uh, center back uh, partnership is fully formed and confirmed, I'm always going to be nervous with a one nil lead. But the other other thing that I was really interested about this game, or that I thought was interesting about this game, was the uh, commitment to uh, playing from the back the commitment from not just from the keeper kicking it upfield that we really forced the issue. Sometimes it looked extremely awkward, at least in my mind, but like we were definitely committed to playing it out from the back. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, one player that stood out to me that was really making that work was El Nenny. Um, I thought he looked pretty good uh, as an outlet and, and coming back to get the ball when they were stretched across the back line, you know, it, Liverpool was definitely not holding back on the press. Uh, Arsenal just found a way to play out of it a lot. And that was um, key to that was having the outlet of Elneny and, and Xhaka available for some of those plays because um, they were able to to progress the ball pretty well, um, finding the, the ball forward, which is um, sometimes a challenge for Arsenal. Like we, we seem to want to find that backwards pass or sideways pass. And I think there's definitely some desire for more incisiveness um, from our players. We want to make those more vertical passes and, and get get into that final third where we can be dangerous. And so many times when we're going backwards, it can be a little frustrating. But it was nice to see um, both Elneny and Jacka coming back, finding the ball and, and finding ways to get it upfield. Uh, we only connected on the one goal, but it was... The, the the game plan was there to try to catch them on the break and uh, absorb as much as we could. Uh, and I think they they did that pretty well. And I, I was surprised with Elneny's performance overall. I thought, you know, for a guy who hasn't played on the team very much, he's he looked like he could fill a role. Uh, I don't know if he's a long-term solution, but um, I wouldn't count him out if, if things don't go as planned in the midfield, at least with transfers. <laughs> I mean, the the funny thing is he's a name that I don't think we've ever mentioned on the podcast until like two weeks ago. <laughs> and he's he's back in and he is definitely filling a role. And as I say, I, I think we're going to get to transfers later. But like if if we can't get Ceballos, I think Elnani's not necessarily the worst uh, fill-in for that. Right. But... And it sound, it's sounding like Ceballos is close, if not almost done. So that that's a that's pretty good news, at least for our midfield outlook. So I don't I don't know uh, where exactly Elneny fits in that, it, it, but I could see him as a deep depth piece somewhere, depending on who transfers out. Yeah, um, as I said, we'll get into the <laughs> the ins and outs of the transfers later. The other thing that I took from this game is from playing from deep is that, uh, uh, Martinez is, I, I feel like a better, better player than Leno as far as playing it out from the back. What are your thoughts on that? I feel like Leno is such a distant memory now. I don't have anything bad to say about him, but I don't have any recent, games to reference in my mind on how how well he plays out of the back but i do feel like and this is probably recency bias but you know i feel like 
Martinez is is certainly a, a step above Leno in terms of moving the ball with his feet. Um, but Leno's distribution, I, I remember that being very solid. So, um, yeah, I, re- I really need a, a current comparison to refresh my mind on how Leno is doing. And I think, you know, they're both they're both benef- going to benefit from this, the better defense. You know, I think that overall Arsenal have been playing better defense in the 10 guys in front of the goalkeeper. So I feel like Emmy's been kind of a beneficiary of Arteta's new system. So I, I would like to see Leno play more in this system to get a better sense of, is it, is it Emmy Martinez or is it Arteta that's caused, that's caused Martinez to be better? You know, I, I don't, I don't doubt he has talent and it shows that it put in the right system. He has, he has talent. Um, but that I, I can't, I can't discount Leno looking as good, if not better in a, in, in a better defense overall. Yeah. And it, as, as you said, it'll be interesting and the, uh, the transfer season is long and going to be an interesting ride, but I don't know what it is. I just I just don't remember Leno being that solid with his feet. But again, as you said, it it, it could very well be just a fact of playing under Arteta and Arteta finally trying to instill some of his uh, his values and what he wants to see out of the team. Well, think about go back to the way we used to try to play out of the back with uh, um, Emery. It was just a disaster. So many times the, the Arsenal didn't look like they knew what to do with the ball and just panicked and gave up the ball in bad areas or kicked it out or it's it's a night and day difference. And Leno played well in that. You know, he was our best player probably under Emery <laughs> because he had the most work to do. But you know, he he was pr- really our best player for a long time. Um, and I think he can only stand to improve by playing more games under Arteta. And I think we would see uh, improvement for him too. I, I don't know. It is hard to say side by side who has the better skill set. I do think it's still Leno's job to lose. I don't know that Emmy's made enough of a case that he's that much better than Leno. Like if, if you have a presumed number one, which I think Leno still is, it's kind of, it's still, you're still giving them the kind of the benefit of the doubt. It is, but it, it would just be so harsh for Leno or not Leno Martinez to lose his spot because it's, he is done more than ab- admirably. He's, he's, he's won the double. He won the two trophies that were up for offer. He has, not really shown any weakness being up there. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to, to take away the number one starting job from him. It's, it's, it is one of those things and it's unfortunate with goalkeepers that you can only play one at a time. And you just, when someone gets injured, it's the next one up, you know? And I, I just, it would be extremely harsh if Martinez loses his job to Leno in my mind. But he's making like crap money for, (laughs) for his role. He's really underpaid. So I think the right deal comes along and we can make money off of him. He would stand to get a better paycheck and Arsenal wouldn't have to pay him more. You know, like he's got a two year contract with us still. So it's, 
not like they have to re-sign him um, if they if they got the right deal. Um, I think I think if it, whether the deal came for Leno or Martinez, it would be um, kind of up to the marketplace to decide which one goes. I think Arsenal would be happy with either one staying, but I don't I don't see a scenario where uh, either one of them is going to want to play second fiddle to the other. And I, Arteta made some comments about how he knows he couldn't make both of them happy, but he doesn't want them happy because he wants them to be battling for that first first team position, which I, I agree with as far as every other every other position is a competition for a, a, a spot or two on the team. So you need competition in every position. And if you have like a a crappy second goalkeeper who's not pushing the goalkeeper, the, the first team goalkeeper, neither one of them is benefiting. I think your best case scenario is if you have guys that are comparable and pushing each other, you don't want there to be a huge gulf between your first your first team and second team goalkeeper. You want there to be some consistency in the, their level of play. I wouldn't, you know, I, I I don't know where Matt Macy is at as far as his level. If we were to let one of them go, if he would be a competent second keeper, or if they'd have to go out and buy somebody else um, to fill in that, that second keeper role. But I think that you don't want that, that big gap. Um, so I, I would hope that if they could keep, if they could keep them both, they should definitely try. But um, I totally would understand if, if that's not good enough for Emmy Martinez at this point. Well, I mean, I, th- I think Emmy Martinez would hate that. He wants to be a number one keeper. And I think on the back of this performance, he deserves, or his recent performances, I should say, he deserves to be a number one keeper somewhere. And maybe and, he played and, his way into that. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's a, a viable option. If, I know he, he wants to be with Arsenal, but. He could go, and he could have played his way into a first-team contract somewhere else. That could be an okay thing if he wants to try it out. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I I haven't seen a ton of credible offers for him right. in the uh, in the bubbling ferment that we call the transfer season. So we'll we'll see. I mean, we have until October. What is it? October first. Uh. I- I don't know why I was thinking the ninth, but it could be the ninth. I don't. It's I, it's so far in this blob we call time these days that I don't know. I know. Well, I I would have to find. Um, oh, it's October fifth. Oh, about halfway between our two <laughs> We were close. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Lots of time. Lots of things can still fall. Um. I know there's going to be teams looking for better goalkeepers out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if his name pops up on somebody's radar sooner than later. Yeah, especially because a couple of the uh, teams, even the Premier League, would like an upgrade on their uh, their keeper. So yeah, absolutely. Watch the space, <laughs> right? All right. So we we've uh, also made a new signing, and we talked about him a bit earlier. Uh, Gabriel from um. Ligon, he's with Lille, came from the same team as Pepe. They are old buddies. Uh, another Brazilian, as we were talking about. Tim, what's your gut, what's your gut feeling on this guy? Is he is he a, a starter in your mind, or is this a, a work in progress? 
I don't think it's like I don't think it's a work in progress. I worry about starting a Saliba Gabriel center back pairing to start off with because they're both very young, very new to the Premier League, and that just looks like a recipe for disaster. It looks like just a, a hiding. I'm I'm pretty high on Gabriel actually. Like uh, Rod Nichols actually shared a very cool article from the Athletic UK that kind of gave a a description of uh, Gabriel's kind of upbringing and how he got into the, the teams he is. And what's interesting about him is he kind of fits into our team really well. That he actually speaks fluent French, which considering we have a fairly strong francophone contingent of the team when you look especially up front when you look at Obama Yang and uh and Pepe and Lacazette uh they all stay stick around um he also speaks Portuguese and is part of the Brazilian contingent uh and he played with as you said played with Pepe and has <laughs> got an assist to Pepe one once or twice so I think he can be an interesting fit I think this is where someone like a David Luiz comes in and can help him kind of mentor him into the position. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think the two of them start from the beginning, but at least one of the two starts next to Louise. And I think Louise kind of slowly fades away is the idea. Yeah. I think that uh, he's either the center of the back three with the two of them. That could be a possibility. Um, we also have, you know, Mustafi still around. Pablo Marie is yet to come back from his injury. We've got eight center backs on the, <laughs> on the roster. Uh, Rob Holding is in that mix. Callum Chambers. Uh, who am I forgetting? Um, there's got to be. There's got to uh, be uh, What's his name? I. Uh, uh... God, uh, he was on loan, and I keep on forgetting that we have him on his our books now. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, this... uh, I mean, we have Socrates. Yes, and uh, Mavapranos. That was the there. Idea. We go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So a ton, way more than we need, even with a back three. Um. Yeah, I, I I think we're going to need to drop at least two, if not three. I don't know yeah. what the magic number is in, in their mind as far as what you want for depth there. And it may be we can't get rid of all of them. But looking at who we have, I would definitely think Socrates would be a viable candidate. And... Yeah, I would say like Rob Holding or Callum Chambers. I don't know what Chambers' status is, but uh, if he's not not on his way back, then you got to look at loaning or selling Holding as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think cha- between Chambers and Holding, you can get a premium for English talent. That's always the nice thing about having young English talent is you can get more than they're probably worth in reality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For it, so I... I it's hard to get rid of someone that you've seen kind of grow up through the club, but I think one of the two of those has to go. Yeah, I think so. Um, the 
you know, the Rob Holding thing, I think as far as comparing him and Bellerin, who kind of came back from their injuries at similar times, um, Rob Holding, he has... He's had good games, but I think he overall has not gotten back to his top level yet. And I don't know if he still has that in him, um, but definitely Bellerin's made more strides in his comeback than I think Holding has. And maybe he's just reached his cap with Arsenal just because of how he may need more consistent playing time to reach that next level. So I think maybe loaning him out's a good thing and he comes back and we have the, uh, an even better asset to either keep or sell. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens as long as he's getting consistent playing time. Yeah. And, but getting back to kind of Gabriel, what are you excited about Gabriel? Are you meh about Gabriel? Where do you see him kind of fitting into the team? I think he's a good fit. I, I'm still curious, but with both him and Saliba, if they, are able to make the transition to the Premier League. I think being the best in another league isn't necessarily an automatic win when you move. I think they're definitely different leagues, and we saw that from Pepe. That it took him a while to get acclimated. Um, and I, I think having more players that you know, um, I think for him knowing Pepe, for having the Brazilian connection... I think that certainly helps acclimate you and may bring you into the team quicker. So that that should be a positive thing. I, and the, there's lots of connections and there's lots of youth in the team now. So I think it will be a better situation for him. And hopefully, we see some, you know, see him gel with with Saliba and Pepe on the field. Um, you know, hopefully those those sorts of things translate into good plays and just a, a better chemistry overall for the team. I'm thinking, I'm thinking like ultimate team now too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. What I was thinking is just that he has a lot of connections that I think will make him be an e- easier landing into the club. And, you know, the story that, uh, from the athletic that, uh, I read was talking about, like he came from Brazil, went to France, and then was immediately loaned out from France, didn't get a lot of first team, and then was loaned out to Croatia and then came back and then made a strong impression when he came back from Croatia. And it just feels like uh, this leap from France to London is not going to be as big of a difference. So I, I think he's used to making these leaps. And to have Pepe, who he's worked with before, having a couple of Brazilians around is going to help him I don't know, settle in and that he can even talk to Obama Yang. He can talk to several of our players in a language he's comfortable with is going to help him out. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see just a little bit of him on the field. We've only seen a little bit of Saliba as well, but I'd, I'd like to see both of them separately and then (laughs) see how they integrate together. But hopefully they, they are able to ease both of them in, but you know, I could, we don't really know what their level is. I could see them just th- rolling the dice and playing them both if they felt they were both ready early on. Um, I think you have to kind of throw them in and see what 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 happens at some point. Better sooner I mean, do, than later. Do you think they're going to stick with a three-back or are, is the idea to go to a two-back? Uh, so have- I, I was trying to figure out what the ultimate like back line looks like and if that's a four or a three. 
uh, I kind of like the four of, and we'll talk about Bellerin, but let's, <laughs> let's assume he's, he's around, uh, Bellerin, um, Saliba, Gabriel, Tierney. That, that's, pr- that's a pretty sweet back line to me. Now, I don't know if that's, it, it kind of depends on who's playing in front of them as well. If, if you make that back four work. Um, but I could, I could definitely see them as part of a back three with, with Louise in the middle as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in my mind, what it looks like it's going to be is a back three transitioning to a back four. If that makes sense. I think yeah. early on in the season, you're going to see a lot more of the back three with Louise in the back and the two young center uh, center backs kind of in front of them. Almost like Louise is playing a sweeper role or mm. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. And then as the the two players get, as Saliba and uh, Gabriel uh, get more used to the league, most used to the speed of the Premier League, you'll probably see less and less of Louise. That, I'm, but I'm also not the manager. That's just kind of how I, it looks like from the outside. Yeah, what I've seen from from Gabriel's uh, video so far, um, it looks like he's a guy that likes to push up and, and distribute the ball, and that's that's a solid uh, thing we need from our back line. Um, so solid passing and line breaking passing. Like he, he looks like he likes to go vertical. He has a long, a long switch that he can make to Pepe, which is a connection that's already there that they used several times so if he can find balls that isolate Pepe on the outside that's exactly what we need to unlock that player and I think that's a lot of what Arteta is trying to do is if we're going to build from the back we need players who can distribute early and accurately rather than having to play the ball on the ground all the time and trying to break break lines that way getting the ball over the top to the feet of Aubameyang and Pepe on the outside and and having, you know, uh, whether it's Lacazette or William or whoever's kind of playing in that central area, having that trailing run available to them, I, I just see a, a, the deep passing being a big part of Arteta's um, build-up plan. And so having guys that Saliba's a good passer as well, but having having guys that are great with the ball at their feet across the back line whether that's charging up the sidelines on the, with our wing backs or distribution from our center backs, I think you have to have that all clicking to really make our Teta system work. So I, I see these guys being big upgrades with uh, their their age, their talent level and potential, and also just an upgrade in the, the play it with the ball at their feet. Yeah, and one of the things that I'm most excited about, and this comes with the caveat that I have not watched an entire Lille game in my probably my entire life. Maybe I've watched one or two Lille games, but I have never really watched a full season of Gabriel and see how he's done. But from all the reports, he sounds like someone that's good on one-on-one defending, mm-hmm. which is something that is more than a bonus for the uh, Arsenal back line. We've been needing and wanting that for quite a while because I can't think of uh, it's, it's been a, a minute since we've had a one-on-one defending 
center back that I can trust to do that sort of defending. And I think we also got a big upgrade in mobility as well. Um, I think they both have pace and and know how to read the game well, so they don't have to make last ditch. I, I saw some some last last ditch stuff from Gabriel, but I think the the thing that stands out, and I, we'll see if this holds true when they make the transition to the Premier League. But they don't give away fouls easily. I think they were both under a foul a game, like point nine, point eight, something like that. So like they they really are not needing to make up for things by fouling. So I, I think they are solid tactically, which helps them not have to do some of the things that David Luiz is <laughs> is uh, known for doing. And I think that youth is on their side, but also just better reading of the game overall. Yeah, exactly. The, the We have definitely needed that kind of just straight up defensive solidity that you can not freak out every time the ball gets in crossed into the box that there's going to be a penalty or a red card there. So hopefully. Yeah. I mean, if there's those sorts of fouls to give away, they sure do get called on Arsenal quite a bit. So it seems like if we can just eliminate the possibility of those, those sorts of fouls happening in the box or, or in dangerous areas, uh, we'd be making an upgrade. I think if it can get called against Arsenal, it tends to. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's see. We've we've talked <clears throat> enough about our new signing. We'll have to see how that plays out. I know he's still in quarantine, so we'll see if he's able to make it for the beginning of the season. And I'm not sure how much training time they expect out of him, but I, I would expect he would be later on in September to get his uh, first team start. But uh, it sounds like you know Saliba's been around, so he'll probably start earlier and and i'm excited to see both of them play me too all right let's take a quick break there and when we come back we'll delve deeper into some of the transfer rumors we've alluded to already and a few we haven't and figure out what what's real and what's not from our best guesses of course but uh we'll 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 see what we can come up with uh, right after this. Okay, welcome back from the break. Let's dig into this now. There's all kinds of stuff going around. Um, I... A lot of it, there's some logic to it, but maybe it's just wishful thinking because I want to get rid of some players. <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't know what's, what's true at this point. I, I've always had a very solid, I've been following soccer for a very, very, very long time. And the, uh, the silly season's a silly season for a reason. And I tend not to put a lot of faith into rumors until I see the players in jerseys and like the, the little like signing ceremony that they do. So, but that being said, it's fun to talk about. Yeah. I think, um, you can kind of tell which ones start to gain traction and get more and more talk. The Gabrielle thing was no secret. The William thing was no secret. Um, so eventually it start, it, it becomes very clear 
what the team is interested in as more and more sources start to point to things. I think it's pretty, pretty clear that the Thomas party piece is definitely something Arsenal desires. Uh, that seems to have been confirmed by multiple sources and the $50 million release clause or 50 million euro release clause is prohibitive. I think to the sense in the sense that we definitely need to line up some other transfers out before we can make that move. Um, but you know, this week the ROR situation, um, got a little bit more traction, but maybe I think some of it comes from here, looking at all the, the teams that need that sort of player. When you start marking off the other transfers that are happening, it kind of leaves Arsenal with the most holes in, in the midfield. So it's like if there's a good midfielder available, we're definitely going to be linked. Uh, it's hard to suss out whether there's any truth to Arsenal making any real bids for the players until, you know, until we see contracts. It's, it's kind of all hearsay, of course. And, and really, I think before we can go into dreaming who we want to, uh, to purchase, I think one of the, uh, the big things is trying to see who we're looking at getting rid of and how close we are because I, I I feel at this point we've made the signings we can on our budget and now we need to make some money in order to, to, to get new players. So uh, who do you think is likely the most likely to be going out right now? Ooh, well, I ha- I can tell you who I haven't heard a lot about, and that's Gendouzi. And I think that was one of the pieces we've um, been shopping around quite a bit to try to get something out of that uh, situation in this transfer window because I don't see an easy way back to the team for him. But so far, I haven't heard a lot of um, interest as far as... For all the teams he's been shopped around to, it doesn't sound like there's anybody biting. Um, but yeah, it, it sounds like maybe Valencia is taking a look at him, kicking the tires. But I think anybody who looks at him is going to be feeling like they're taking a risk, so they're probably going to uh, not get as much out of him as, as one would hope. But, um, you know, Torreira's had some links to Italy. I, I don't know. It seems like there's desire from the player to leave, so usually when that happens... Those are the ones that tend to get done because um, when a player wants out and you're trying to force them to stay or you can't make something happen, you really don't want that unhappy player on your team uh, if you can avoid it, and especially if they're not needed. So I think the likes of Torreira and Kalasinac will will find their way out uh, mostly because there's they, they just want out more. <laughs> Socrates would be uh, somebody I think wouldn't mind staying um, but if Arsenal can find anybody that was willing to pay money for somebody on their last year, their contract at his age and um, status with the club, I think they'd be glad to take it. And it sounds like Napoli's been knocking around some ideas on on what they could pay for him. Uh, I, I, I don't know if there's any truth to that yet, but I, that's one of those ones I'm kind of like hoping it is because if we can get anything out of a person on their last year, that's that's pretty good for us right now. Yeah, I mean, G- Gwen Doozy obviously is so- someone that like 
both of us have talked that we just need to get rid of. But he's he's an unfortunate player in that we kind of dragged him out of obscurity in a lot of ways. Like not super obscurity, but it wasn't like he was a household name. He had we've kind of made him who he is, and now I I just don't think there's a lot of market for him. And it's because of his attitude. And when you have a player with that big of an attitude that hasn't really, really proven himself, it's going to be hard to actually try and get him out of his contract. Um, Socrates, I would love, like, if we can get anything out of him from his last year of his contract, even if we just don't even have to pay his wages at this point, I think I'd be excited about because... I mean, I like the guy. Like, I've I've always liked Socrates, but I don't think he has a future with the club. We're talking about two young center backs that have passing inability and are an upgrade. He is the exact opposite of those two players. And Torreira, I think, is kind of the saddest thing because I could see a place for him on the team, and I think you could see him getting some minutes and if if someone was injured or we needed him he could make an like a, a fight for his position but as you said he's made noises that he wants to get out and you know you don't want to force someone who doesn't want to be here to be here i think you should absolutely focus your efforts on moving on players that show any signs of not wanting to be with arsenal anymore and i think it, the arteta alluded at some point to only wanting to have Arsenal players that wanted to play for Arsenal. Like it should be, you shouldn't have to convince players to come play for you. They should want to come play for Arsenal. And if you have to convince somebody, it's probably not worth going after them. Same can be said for somebody who's already playing for us. If they don't want to be here, there's no reason that you should force them to commit to their contracts. Um, I understand it if there's a, a desperate need, but I think we're not in that position right now. So letting him go and using that money uh, is probably for the best. I think he does perform a, a, a great role. I think he's a, he's a tenacious player, but I don't think he quite fits what Arteta is looking for in the midfield as far as ball progression. And uh, I, I think if you if you were to compare him to like what they're looking at in Thomas Party. It's it's a big difference um, in in size, and I think that's that's been that's worked against him a little bit um, in that he he may be a little undersized for the position in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the interesting players that we're looking that we're looking at as far as outgoing players, and we mentioned him earlier in the episode. And it's El Nenny. And as I said, it's someone I literally forgot we had on the books. Like, it's just like completely out of mind. But I I kind of would like to keep him in a way just because I think he does provide decent coverage in that position. And, you know, we'll probably talk about Ceballos and uh, other players. If, if things in the transfer window don't go our way, we're going to definitely need coverage in that area. And I think he's not going to burn the world down or like be the most amazing player, but I think he, he provides that. Yeah, I do think it is. It's going to matter who we can move along. 
um, and how many we're able to bring in. I think if we could get uh, one more midfield signing outside of Ceballos, I think we'd be doing pretty solid. It's it's sounding like the Ceballos deal for a, another uh, loan spell with Arsenal is all but done. Um, as of today, it's sounding like Real Madrid was willing to part with him uh, either for a small fee plus covering his the entire entirety of his salary or just covering the the whole salary this season so um if they could get him for no fee with just covering his salary that that might be a pretty good deal for arsenal right now i mean yeah that's a that that sounds like a good deal i actually haven't seen the the rumor on that like it's just a like would we have to resign like re uh, up his contract like it, it's an interesting thing just to compare Ceballos to El Nani. Would you 100% prefer Ceballos there than El Nani? Yeah, I think he's proven that he has that great partnership with with Xhaka. Um, and as a depth piece, if, if, if you go out, go out and get a, a, a party, um, uh, Arwa, or you're playing William in the midfield, or, you know, there's a lot of options we could possibly have there. I still think Ceballos offers... Um, a bit more creative, creatively and defensively. Like I think his defensive game really stepped up in the in the restart, and he's um, just a, a pretty well-rounded player. And I think that's that's what you want for your depth um, is somebody who can bring something on both sides of the ball. Whereas I don't know, you know, despite Elneny's flute goal the other day in the um, friendly, I I don't know that he provides as much going forward. He's a he's a solid passer, but I don't see him um, being the creative force that we need out of the midfield right now. Um, so I would definitely put Ceballos above him in the pecking order. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, there is one person on the outgoing transfer list that we haven't, we briefly mentioned in the earlier I don't want uh, segment. I know he's one of your favorites and I know <laughs> you do not want to mention it, which is probably why we haven't. But Be- the Bellerin to PSG is looking like it's, Picking up steam. I, I read an article that it's uh, PSG has offered twenty five million pounds for him. Yeah, what are your thoughts. That seems low to me. It's that's a COVID price, right? That to me, he's like a thirty to thirty five because I do feel like he's he's turning a corner right now and uh, at his best. And he should be peaking in his career as well. But like, I think he's getting back to his best, and he has the. The, the potential to be even better. Um, and I know you can't really pay for, or you can't count on potential. So that sometimes drives the cost down, but I feel like uh, he, even, even coming back from injury, he's been a solid player and I think he's gotten better um, since, since that time. So for a team to come in and offer 25, I think Arsenal's valuation of him at 35 is probably, um, you know, if they, if they compromise and get to 30, I think that's, that's in range uh I think the the low the low bid to start makes a lot of sense as a starting bid, but I think yeah, thirty thirty million would be okay for him, and and it still puts him I think you know in maybe the top ten fifteen uh, players at his position ever. So I think we'd be doing pretty well if we could sell sell him on for that price. Uh, what do you, what do you think about you know the options at that position if he leaves? I mean. Who else? Who else do we we we? I feel like we have pretty good coverage, and it's it's been shown in kind of when he's been injured that I 
it's not to say that I haven't missed him, but I I feel like he he has he has been covered. And yeah, twenty five million isn't isn't the best uh price for him, but it pays for a good chunk of what we've outlaid already. And I I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, even the numbers that ter- ter- were, were floating around Torreira were a bit in that were in that kind of same twenty five million range, and I, I kind of rate him at a thir- at, We bought him at thirty. I don't think he's depreciated that much. He's just not a good fit here. I would hope to get closer to thirty for um, Torreira as well. I think we have to not sell low because of the market. I think we have to adhere to the true values of these players and not. Um, you know, not give him up easily. I don't think we'd be sad to keep Bellerin if we if we could. I would understand if the right contract came, they would gladly let him go. But I I think you have to wait for that to come. I would not let him go for less than what they value him at. I mean, do you think we have coverage for him? Like, do you think how much would we miss him if he went away? I think it's actually the perfect situation right now that you have Bellerin and Kalasinac uh, looking at, at possible exits because you've got an Ainsley Maitland-Niles who's really become a, a solid player for Arsenal. And if he's looking to leave, well, now you've got, you could offer him a left wing back role, a starting right back role. Um, you know, he could slot in wherever we needed him. And all of a sudden he's got first team minutes across several positions I think him playing consistently, if he's willing to to play anywhere, he, he becomes a smart asset to try to keep. Um, and we've got Cedric there that we just signed a four-year contract with. Um, so that right-back position, I think we're pretty pretty well covered. We've seen what Ainsley Maitland-Niles did there with Bellerin out, and we were you know, pretty, pretty solid. And I think he's another person that would, would benefit from Arteta's system as well. So I think he's he's looked good when he's played and Arteta trusts him now and has been playing in big games. So I I, I like the idea of having Ainsley Maitland Niles as a starting right back. And that's I mean, coming always- from a Bellerin fan. So I <laughs> I I would be sad to see him go, but I'm I'm a pragmatist when it comes to the, the transfers and I know that we're in a state of flux. Like to get the most out of Arteta, we got to ring every year we have with him dry. So that means we got to throw it all in and, and do what we have to do to get the players that he needs. So if he's saying we need midfielders more than we need Bellerin, I'm, I'm, I'm behind that. Yeah. The, the only question that hangs over Ainsley Maiden Niles is the one that we've had for a while, which is whether he's going to be, happy playing that position. I think I personally, from what I've seen, thinks it's, think it's his best position, mm-hmm. but I don't think he thinks it's his best position. And there's been a lot of talk. Uh, Wolves, I believe, was uh, sniffing around him quite heavily. And yeah, was, and I'd be curious where they would want to play him because he, he's shown that he's a, a good right back, whereas the other positions, I mean, he, we've seen him a bit at wing back, um, but, you know, as if he's if his preference is central midfield, uh, 
were the Wolves really looking to play him there, or was he was he going to be another utility player? Because I think really it's it's not even right backs is, is his best position. His best position is wherever you slot him in. He hasn't really missed a step wherever we put him. Now is he our best center back, our center midfield option? Probably not. Like I wouldn't put him above any of the players we have there right now. Um, but is he an upgrade on Cedric? Yeah. Is he a, a better uh, wing back than Kalasinac? Yeah. So he, he, wherever we have slot him in at, he's definitely been an upgrade of the, over the players that we could have been playing there. So um, I think he has to come to grips with the flexibility that Arteta needs out of him. And I think every player, you know, we've seen Tierney kind of just float around that whole left side, uh, shifting into different positions. And Ainsley Maitland-Niles has done the same thing when he's been playing in that left that left hand side. You kind of you're you're nebulous. You're moving around depending on the uh, position of the ball, whether you're on offense, on defense, whether Tierney's bombing down the side. You know, like you have to move. And I don't know that being stuck in this mindset that I'm a right back or I'm a wing back, you're you're playing kind of zones. You know, I play on this side of the field is more accurate than any position these days just because it's it's always fluid depending on the phase and i think that arteta's probably just got to convince him that it's not about the position it's just about playing and getting in the first team and he's shown that he's willing to give him that those minutes so hopefully hopefully ansley maitland niles was listening and is willing to double down and buy into that and i think he's shown that he's at least, do you remember when we, when he was kind of on the outs with Arteta? I mean, it doesn't seem like that was that long ago, but yeah, he's turned it around. So I, I'm 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 pretty positive on him staying and, and playing a big part for Arsenal. I mean, that's the thing is he's getting the minutes, and like I just can't imagine any player that wouldn't appreciate the fact that they're in the best league in the world, and that's. It, there's no getting around it. The Premier League is the best league in the world, and you're getting first team minutes in the best league in the world. Who cares where the where you're playing? If you if if a coach thinks that you are among the best eleven players on the team and among the best hundred people in the world to play whatever position, I would take it with a heartbeat. And I think I I just hope that he wraps his mind around that. Yeah, I think that uh, he's he's got a lot to gain by um, just doing what what Arsenal asks of him. He just got the call up to the England national team. He's his stock is going up. Like ride this wave. If if Bellerin gets out of the way, it's the best thing that could have ever happened for him. Um, mm-hmm. So exactly. I, I I hope he he buy, buys in and, and doubles down on the Arteta's. Um, system and just goes wherever the coach tells him to because I think he stands to benefit maybe most of all because he's kind of just been solid but not outstanding and I think he has the potential to really make another step in his career if he if he takes this leap Mm -hmm. Uh, what else anything else on your radar as far as the transfers I know we we talked about um, Ceballos we talked a little bit about party and ROR. Uh, is there anybody else on, on your radar? Do any of those names excite you at all? Well, I mean, like, the thing is, like, party is someone that, like, 
definitely does excite me. And I think that, that he definitely has a uh, place on the team, but it is this whole transfer business. The biggest thing for me is we have to start moving players out at this point before we can bring anyone in. And right now I, I believe the spend, I mean, we're not talking about wages. It was just a whole nother conversation. I don't even know the exact amount of, but like as far as incoming players, this year, we're at about a 40 million pound deficit. And in order to spend any type of money, we have to start shipping these players out. And I'm just, I'm getting kind of worried that we're not really shipping anyone out. We haven't put the pen to paper. What's your thoughts on it? I think um, when you look at Arsenal from an outsider's perspective, you see a lot of you see a team that's in transition. So you know that a new coach means that there's a lot of players that are expendable. And I think for most other teams, knowing that they have time, knowing that other things will get done first, maybe um, as other dominoes fall, I think you'll see Arsenal be willing to settle for a little bit less later on in the window as they get more desperate to move these players on because they, they do need those, you know, they do need those funds to get that next deal done probably. So as I think other teams are probably going to make Arsenal sweat, sweat it a little bit. And, and the more they go down to the wire and, and really want to make that next, whether it's party or whoever else they can um, get done. I think they, they're going to need every player that they can possibly get out. Um, selling a player for 30 million certainly helps. So if they can get some of these higher profile players, a Lacazette, a Bellerin, a whoever it is, a Torreira, if they can um, get those players sold, I think it takes some of the pressure off. Um, certainly you start getting one player and you start to not worry as much. And hopefully Arsenal can get one one across the, the line here. Um, but I, we would take anything, I think. <laughs> I think there is, there is a desperation. Um, I think... I mean, just throwing this out here, how much does the start of next season matter? Because the transfer window is so long. If Arsenal starts really, really well, does that take away a lot of that desperation so that we can start raising the price of the players and and that sort of idea? So you're thinking like we come out hot and then it makes all of our players look good? Yeah. Yeah. Uh I kind of like, I think that makes Arteta look good because <laughs> um, it just shows that he can get a lot of the, out of the players in, in the way that he's coaching. But I don't know, because if you know a player is like not needed, if it's been made clear earlier in the window that Arsenal are trying to get rid of a player, then that doesn't really change if they even start playing well, right? Like they, they're still extra. So they might be worth a little bit more, but I think you could still turn the screws on Arsenal um, if you wanted to. Depends on how bad you want the player. But if you're trying to get a deal, I think Arsenal is going to be desperate no matter how well these players are playing under Arteta if they're not ultimately what they want. I mean, and then on the the flip side, if we come out and just like absolutely flop, is that going to just lower the prices of these players? I suppose it could. Um, 
yeah, I think you do need a good showing. Um, but maybe a small enough sample size <laughs> wouldn't, you know, there's, there's only a few games until the, the transfer window closes. Um, so I, I have a hard time seeing Arsenal really flopping. I think that's what it comes down to is I think <laughs> on average, it won't be so bad that it would hurt valuations of these players all that much. Those are brave, brave words coming into the season. You know, I, I'm feeling um, pretty optimistic. I was thinking during the the Liverpool uh, Community Shield match, this looks like a team that could could potentially, given the right signings and reinforcements, we are on the cusp of really making a run at the top four. I don't think it's there yet, but I don't think it's that far away either. I, Given the right personnel changes i think that this season could be a pretty good season for them they just look hungrier and more put together than they have in a long time i am definitely more excited coming into this season than i was last season i'll guarantee you that (laughs) yes and i am definitely a soccer pessimist i tend to look at the bad side of things but there are definitely positives coming into the season. I'm sure we'll get into it in future episodes as we get closer, but yeah, I, 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 I want to be positive. And I think that's part of like what our, uh, Arteta was trying to, to do with, you know, the culture change, the, just the feeling of the team, just bring some positivity back and hope that, uh, just changing the attitude of the players would make an impact. And I think, it trickles down to the fans as well. And we, we sense that as players are having a good time and feeling confident, it, it makes us feel confident as fans. So I'm excited. I want to, you know, unfortunately you're going to have to set your alarm pretty damn early for that opening game. Cause it looks like we're going to kick off the premier league season at four 30 in the morning. Oh no! Fuck that! I'm definitely Think, gonna set the recorder and. <laughs> oh, I, I'm totally getting up. I'm too excited not to. Oh. <laughs> no, I need my I, fix as early as I can get it. <laughs> I mean, I'll wake up at nine o'clock because that's usually when I wake up, and I am not going to check social media and watch it. But I four thirty is yeah far Think, too early. Thanks, West Coast. <laughs> um. All right. Anything else you want to touch on on the the transfer transfer business? We didn't talk about this this Celtic rumor. I just saw this today, but it made me. It, uh, Arsenal may be kicking the tires on their one of their strikers, uh, Edward. And I've, I know nothing about this, so tell me about it. He's young. He's a younger guy, French. Uh, I can't imagine. I kind of think this is like we need to make sure we have some some plans in place in case some other things come to fruition. Like if if we uh, can't, you know, if we can get rid of Lacazette, do we go out and get a, a Lacazette-level player or do you go out and buy a young, young player that you can develop and sell on later? I kind of think that if you're going to give a bumper contract to Aubameyang, you sell Lacazette and you get a younger younger striker. And that that's not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of scrolling through his Wikipedia right now, and he just, on first glance, just really looks like a younger Lacazette. Yeah, with a upside, I guess. Yeah, there's meat left on the bone as far as selling him on. So 
I think that would be good business if they if they were able to sell Lacazette, because um, then th- you could put the difference into one of the other bigger signings. Yeah, depending on what we can get him for, I haven't even looked at his value. So, uh yeah, I think he was, you know, in the twenty twenty million range, twenty million euros. <laughs> it's funny how I just shrug that off like twenty million euros as if it's nothing, but. It's pretty, you know, it's not cheap, but it's not, uh, you're not going to break the bank at that level (laughs) when you're playing with funny money. (laughs) All right. Well, I think uh, that's all we can possibly talk about with the transfers, but there is a little bit more we should talk about as far as building teams. And Tim, why don't you talk about about that? Well, we mentioned it last uh, last uh, episode, and so I set up a fantasy league for the uh, official Premier League fantasy football league. <laughs> and so, if you want to search, like uh, I'm sure we'll post it in the show notes. I'm sure I'll post it on Facebook at the uh, Cascadia Gunners page and all that. But if you want to search up West of North London, and then our jo- join code is I. L2FN0 or click on the link in the uh, show notes and you can join our league and see how smart you are at creating your own team. Um, I'm not going to say that if you have a uh, Tottenham player, we're going to kick you out of the league, but I think we'll judge you very harshly if you use a Tottenham (laughs) player. But if you're kicking uh, all our asses, I'll, I'll give you a pass. I don't think I would give you. I don't think I'd give you a pass, but I mean, <laughs> it's also a Tottenham player, so it's probably not likely. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going to put all your money into a Tottenham player, I'm definitely judging you. <laughs> all right, that sounds fun. I can't remember where I, where I left off with signing up, but I definitely have not done any major work on that. So I'm going to get on that. I'm going to get my team all it's- set up here. It's super easy. Like you, uh, like you click on the link and you can use your Facebook account if you're so inclined, or you can just make a email and password. Um, and then you just literally just set up your first team. You have a budget and each player costs money and you build your team based on that. So super easy. Do you have to rebuild your team every week? No. So you start with your team. You, so it's actually fairly important to, buy your team for the first time like with some players you think you're going to keep um you can make transfers every week but you still have your budget so once your players locked it in you have to stay within your means to actually uh, build so if you want to buy a new player you have to sell off a couple players do values change every week then yes values do change every week depending on how well the player is doing okay well i've got lots to learn i'm excited though yeah should be a good time. Show how much better you are than we are. Probably much better. But, you know, <laughs> I might prove you wrong. Maybe I'm really good at this and I've never done it. You'll see. So I'm, I'm the, the ringer. <laughs> you have played fantasy before. Yeah, it may be, maybe it'll translate. Well, I guess right. football. It's, it is football. It's, they have that in common. <laughs> All right. We have a few people to thank, and let's start with you, because you have stuck with us through what I would call our whole first season. 
and we are coming up on our uh, second Premier League season. So we'll say season two coming soon. And if you stick with us, we're going to get better and better. And I hope that we create something that you will tell your friends about and rate us, review us, tell other people, tell total strangers about us. Um, and if you want to be part of our next season or this season, I don't, we're going to make that cut off here some, at some point. We'll, we'll let you know when season two kicks off. But, you know, if you want to be a part of any of it, first send us an email at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We are at W of N London. Uh, you can hopefully find us on Instagram, although I need to work on that a little bit more. Believe me, that, that's been languishing. Working on that. We'll work on some Facebook stuff. We'll work on all kinds of things. You can find us everywhere. But, you know, go subscribe. That's the most important part. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple, anywhere there's podcasts. If you aren't finding us, let us know. We'll go get on there. There's probably places, nooks, crannies of the podcast world that we have not seeped into yet. So let us know. We'll get there. Uh, But thank you. Thank you for joining us. And hopefully we hear from you soon. We need more questions from everybody. Really helps us. It helps you be part of something fun. Thank you to Bobcat. We love your music. We love your theme song. If you like what you've heard and want to hear more, bobc.at that's bobcat spelled out go to that website check out no course to follow that's their most recent album and all of their social media stuff can be found there as well tim it's been a pleasure thank thank you all for joining us that's it and as always see you at the next gun show